Hey, what's happening everybody? Welcome back to the channel. Today's very special guest is Wing. Wing is a fellow YouTuber who actually, her whole channel is not completely about mental health, but it started going that way at least pretty recently before she was doing a lot of music. Actually, I highly suggest that you guys go check out her channel because uh, she does a lot of really good songs. She has a really nice voice as well. So definitely go check that out. I'll leave a link in the description box down below um, and I'll announce that in just a second. But Wing and I have something in common, which is social anxiety, though hers was not diagnosed or anything like that. You can definitely tell from what she's talking about and her experiences that she definitely has some form of it. And it was nice to talk to somebody else about you know, social anxiety in general and how they handle it as well, as well as some of the coping mechanisms that she's learned through just living life. As I said before, you can check out Wing at her YouTube channel. Wing was a fantastic guest and we really hit it off immediately. It was very interesting because she's actually very articulate for somebody who has social anxiety and, you know, whenever she was speaking, I could clearly understand all of her words, which is not always something you can tell with me. Uh, just look at back at any of my videos. You'll find little slurs or little things where I've had to cut things out. So, um, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this interview. And I think it can open a lot of people's eyes to maybe the fact that two people can have a conversation who have social anxiety and still show some type of a competence when it comes to social interactions. So hopefully that helps you guys out. But before I go any further, guys, let's go straight into the video. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to the Mental Health Chats, and welcome back to Mental Health Casual. I'm your host, Lucky, and I finally pressed record for once, so it works <laughs> out very well. I, <laughs> but uh, luckily, I didn't get too far before I figured that out. So today's guest is, uh, you know, shares a lot of the the same things that I have with uh, with social anxiety, a lot of the same problems that we have, and so I thought it would be great to to have them on, just because, you know, when I was watching some of their videos, it was. It was very reminiscent of some of the, the problems that I faced, especially when I was still working in retail and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, Wing, thank you so much for being on. And I was just curious if you could kind of give people a little bit of backstory into your life. You know, where did you first, I mean, maybe realize that you had, you know, some sense of social anxiety? And what, uh, what was that like for you? And how is it kind of, I don't want to say cultivated, but how has it uh, maybe either gotten worse or gotten better or just maybe changed over, uh, over time? Uh, well, well, thank you so much for having me first, Lucky. Um, so I think it's just started when I was a kid because anxiety kind of runs in my family. So it's probably from my mom's side and we've never been officially diagnosed, but you can sort of tell, um, like my mom has anxiety, my sister has anxiety and depression. And for me, it's just became social anxiety. And so I've always been awkward and socially anxious as a child. And I just didn't know how to talk to people. I didn't know how to communicate, let alone make friends. Couldn't look at people in the eyes. Um, like I'm a lot better now, but it used to be like really bad. And it was just like that from a really young age all the way to university because like I never even knew it was called social anxiety. Like school doesn't teach you about mental health. And for some reason I never, really even talked about it because I always felt uncomfortable, but I never thought that I could do anything. You know, I, I thought that it was just my personality trait, that I'm probably just shy or whatever. Um, 
so yeah, I always just felt like uncomfortable with people um, all the way to university. After I graduated from uni, I came across this YouTube video by the amazing atheist. I don't know if you know him. And he talked about his own experience with social anxiety. And then I think from that day onwards, things just start to change for me because it's like, finally, after all these years like of discomfort, I finally had a name to this feeling. And yeah, it's like, it's almost like waking up from a coma, I would say. It's kind of exaggerated, but honestly, for the first 23 years of my life, I feel like I was just kind of just existing, if you will. I never really knew who I was. I never talked about myself. I never, yeah, I didn't even um, really talk to my family or my sister about my struggles. Because again, I just felt like it wasn't, it was a me thing, you know, and that <laughs> there's, there's nothing to change about it. Uh, but yeah, so, once I found out about social anxiety, I just started, you know, searching up social anxiety videos uh, every single day until I couldn't find anything new to watch. And then I start to make my own YouTube videos because I want to talk about my own experience because for the 23 years of my life, I just never talked about it. I never knew what it was. And finally, once I knew, I just had to get it all out. And yeah, from that point onwards, I also start to discover things that I liked. Like, I like music, I like watching anime sometimes, I like singing, I like dancing. And yeah, I would say that's just almost like where my life began, if you will, when I was like 23. Which is, thankfully, not too old, I guess. I mean, I was, yeah, I was out of school, I was out of uni, I was no longer surrounded by people my age. So I couldn't really just, you know, have a lot of opportunities to like, try out you know how to talk to people but yeah through work you know i do work with some people who are sometimes older than me sometimes my age sometimes younger than me and i guess it's a good mix and yeah there's still a lot of opportunities for me to try it out i guess yeah but so far that's just been it yeah nice <laughs> i mean journey. no i think that's uh that sounds a little bit like like my journey as well now granted i was I had to go to a you know a psych ward, if you will, and uh, get diagnosed oh. there after a uh, pretty bad uh, break mental breakdown that I had. But uh, I was diagnosed mm -hmm. with that and a couple of other things. So, uh, but you know, it's it's interesting what you said about you know putting a name to the thing that's been bothering you. It is really interesting when you actually have that uh, that clarity because it kind of gives you a framework on what you need to do from then on, from there on, and then if you. Yeah. If something does happen to you, it's not just like, oh, man, this is, you know, kind of like how you're saying, oh, it's not just my personality type. I do have something that's maybe not a, a lot of other people may understand. So I have to kind of get a little bit better at understanding it. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny hearing you speak. It doesn't really sound as obvious, right? Because typically when I, I oh, my God, I was just listening to a podcast that I was on the other day. And the ums were just every other freaking word. It was um, just um, 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 yeah. It was. It might as well just been um. I might as well just answered with um. So it was interesting to see that, and I think that's one of the reasons why I started podcasting was so that I could get a little mm -hmm. bit better with speaking and all that kind of stuff. But you know, I'm just curious. You know, you just mentioned music, and it seems like that's at least from what I saw on your YouTube channel. That's a good amount of your your content as well. And so I was curious on how your anxiety is when you're performing and you know because obviously you know when you're recording I've recorded for uh for music as well and it's it's almost like oh, cool. being in it's like almost like being in front of an audience which I've also done and it's it's pretty similar to me but I mean how do you deal with anxiety through that and does it help your anxiety at all well I've never had to perform in front of anyone 
uh, like a live audience, thank God, because I couldn't. I've thought about busking. I don't know why I even thought about that. Um, but I still get anxiety even when I'm just doing like a really short cover that I was going to post either on Instagram or on YouTube. And it could be just because I'm not that good at singing. Like some people have like complimented me like, oh, you know, your voice sounds good. You sing well. And I'm like, thanks. But You know, like when you're performing, you want to do like um, you want to do a good performance, you know, you kind of. And so when I play back my own um, singing, it's like, oh, my God, I'm kind of uh, offbeat here. I'm, I'm out of tune. And it's like, you know, I just want to be good. And so I get really anxious when I sing. Um, and so most of the time I tend to just like I do like 10 takes or a million takes. And then I just I don't even go like with a video. I don't make it. I don't sing. I'm just like. fuck everything. I just, I don't feel like it. You know, <laughs> I'm like, screw this. You know, I just like give up on, not give up on singing, but it's just that I, I'm not going to be making a video today because I suck. And yeah, so, but I never knew that I liked to sing uh, until again, after I graduated from university, I had a lot of time. Uh, and so I was listening to like a thousand years by Christina Perry. And then I was looking at my sister's cheap guitar. And then Like there was that guitar intro and then I was like, I can probably play that, right? And so I learned to off of YouTube and then I just started singing because it's not like I want to be like a guitar, a finger style guitarist or whatever. And then, yeah, it just slowly started to build up. Like I started to sing more songs and I used to like whisper sing in my room because I didn't want my parents to hear me. But now I kind of sing at a normal volume and I used to hate listening to my own voice. Uh, and so... I couldn't even really edit my videos like I would I would edit out like when I hit record and then when I stop recording like I'll hit space bar and let the video go a little bit and then I'll just stop it cut it off and then just be done with the video basically and um but yeah with with like music it was it was still really surprising to me that I even liked to sing because I was so quiet like in high school people probably thought I was mute or something and so Yeah, and then once I start to sing, it's like I found songs that I can really relate to. And then I found artists that I like. Like, I like Pink. I like Sia. And it really helped me, like, just helped me express myself, I guess. And it really helped me um, find out who I really was. And, yeah, it's just given me a little bit of confidence as well. During that, I, I have improved a little bit in terms of singing. Uh, but... I still get anxiety, even if I'm just trying to sing um, just... towards the camera you know even if I don't plan on uploading anything I still get so anxious because I just want to get that one perfect take if I could um but you know what? um overall music it's just it's really helped me just find out who I really am and yeah it's hard to explain how music has helped but really I think most importantly it's just helped me um express myself because uh, I'm not really good at expressing myself through words in general so yeah music and it's Also led me to like dancing because I don't look like it, but I like street dancing and I will dance like an idiot in my own room. And yeah, it's all it's thanks to YouTube as well, <laughs> like for introducing me to a, a bunch of things, not just my own problems like social anxiety, but also like music, how to sing, how to dance and I guess overall how to improve myself. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I think, uh, you know, when I was doing music, I was part of a, a mariachi band and we used to, you know, travel, travel around to like local places and where I was from originally. And, 
it was it's very interesting you know because you're you're talking about this and it makes me wonder you know there's this I had a, um, a psychologist on and she was talking about this you know anxiety spiral so to speak and it's it's basically the there's like three steps in the anxiety spiral which is the before mm -hmm. the during the after and I'm just curious you know because you'd mentioned kind of bits of each one of those do you know which one is probably your worst because I'm always my mine is always the post um, anxiety now I do get some pre anxiety and all that stuff but mm -hmm. before I'm doing these podcasts but Man, I remember one time, like, a post-anxiety freakout just uh, messed me up for, like, three days or something like that to the point where I was just, I was, like, I went to the gym still and all that kind of stuff, but I was just, like, ugh, like, I hate life. Why am I doing this <laughs> podcast? Why am I doing this? Uh, so do you, I mean, do you, uh, you know, do you see one of them as, like, the, the most um, detrimental to you? I think it would be the... Was it like pre-spiral? I mean, sorry, what was it? The first uh, yeah, stage, I guess? Yeah, the like first before... stage of the pre. The pre, uh, be, like before you go to the event, that kind of thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I think that's when like a lot of the overthinking like happens. I mean, that's... Yeah, I mean, you all, you overthink after the, the situation as well. But I think, you know, beforehand, you just think the worst that could happen, obviously. You like... Um, like kind of like with this interview. It's like, oh my god, I'm just going to keep rambling, which I kind of already am. And I'm probably going to think about this later on. I'm like, I should have just shut up, you know, sometimes and not speak so much in a way because I really, I kind of ramble on forever. Stop it. All right. So, yeah, most of the time it's just before the thing happens and I, I just tell myself like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this, you know, um, like even if it's a job interview, there, are, there have been quite a few times when I tried to talk myself out of it because... Like, I remember one time I was going to go interview at, like, a coffee shop by the beach. And it's, like, everyone by the beach is so extroverted. And, you know, it's, like, I look into the cafe and I'm, like, oh, God, I can't do this. And, yeah, so I was, like, my whole body was, like, tense. And I was just, I was very close to, like, chickening out and just not doing it. But um, I eventually just said, you know, fuck this. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I came out anyways. I might as well do it. And then, yeah, that that anxiety kind of just like kind of slowly went away and like during during the interview um i knew that i wasn't gonna get it because it wasn't it wasn't a sit down face-to-face -face interview it was more like a you know put you on the coffee machine and see how you interact with people type of thing <laughs> it's the worst you know um because like i can't talk to people i can't talk to their staff there i'm not i'm not a social butterfly you know and so <laughs> I didn't get it, but I was still glad that I was able to do it. Uh, but yeah, no, most of the time it's probably just the overthinking that happens before the situation. That is the worst for me, I would say. Um, and then then it's the post one, and then I would say it's just during. Because it's like when I'm going through it, I don't feel that anxious. But then afterwards, I guess you have more time to overthink and you're like, hmm, how could I have done that better, you know? So... Yeah, it's like pre and then post and then during for me. Nice. Yeah, I mean, after each of my uh, my interviews now, I go play this game called Overwatch and just, you know, <laughs> if I if I need to rage at somebody, I'll just rage at somebody out there, you know, just you know, get, and then I get I get a lot of that uh, that you know that nervous energy out just so I don't because right after these interviews, you know, I immediately am just like maybe I'll watch some of it. And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to watch any of it. It's, it's funny. You'd mentioned like editing your videos. Like since I edit all of these podcasts, it's so interesting to see, you know, 
myself back and have to really be not super. I, I'm not as critical as I used to be, but you know, now mm-hmm. be as now I'm trying to really just focus on it as a craft now and try and get better with, you know, my spacing, getting better with, Oh, maybe I should maybe talk a little bit more here because I didn't really explain my point at all. I just kind of got to the next question, which is why I don't take nearly as many as no, uh, notes. I used to have like four pages of notes on these people, oh, and, wow. you know, just like, you know, basically watch every little thing. And, you know, sometimes I'd be there for like three or four hours watching videos and just be like, Oh my God, <laughs> I don't even know what to ask him at this point. So, but from, uh, you know, before you were talking a little bit about anime, could you explain, you know, what anime you know, does to, does for you because it's it's fascinating for me because I you know I've done a couple of anime videos on my YouTube channel and it's it's interesting to see the the amount of mental health that's in anime that's actually talked about and it's like it's just so relatable to a certain degree. Um, do you find those yeah. same like commonalities as well? And you know what what got you into anime anyway? Uh, well, I was in high school like you know I-, I watched anime as a kid but um kind of you know left it for a bit and then in high school i guess i was really bored and very anxious so i just i just felt like i want to watch anime again and so i start off with like my old childhood animes and then sailor moon was not part of it but then i watched it because it's sailor moon is popular and then i came across the like the the gay couple in there sailor uranus and sailor neptune and then it's through them that I found out about the genre of Yuri, which is like girls love stuff. And that's how I found out like my own sexual orientation. <laughs> it's like I was in an all girls school, but I never had a crush on anyone before. Neither neither did I had a crush on like any guys whatsoever. So like, that's what anime did for me first. It's like it's helped me find out like who I was. And then uh, slowly, I think it was maybe again in university that I slowly to get back into just watching more anime because I like what it did for me, you know, it, you know, it was part of my childhood and then it helped me find out who I was and then, you know, I start off with like the top 10 animes and then I watched like Mushishi, which was a very, I don't know if you know that yet, but it's, Yeah, yeah, I know a little bit about it. It's the one where the guy like goes around and there's like ghost stories and stuff, um, like spirit so, stories or something like that. Yeah, so he's a mushi shi. So mushi means bugs in um, Japanese, but in their context, it's talking about these like organisms that go from their plants. They're cl- they're basically everywhere in anything, and sometimes they can have like a, a neutral effect on people, a terrible effect on people, or it can help people out. And so this guy, this main character, he's a mushi master, and he he goes around and he helps people to solve their mushi problems, basically. And he's sorting he's He's not for or against Mushi. He's like trying to help people learn more about Mushi. So it's almost a little bit philosophical because sometimes like Mushis will do terrible things to people. It's like apparently they can uh, make your nightmares come true, which I was like, oh my God, that's so terrifying. And But the guy was just like, you know, it's it's just what they do. And unfortunately, that's life in a way. So it's kind of philosophical and sometimes it's really calming i mean i really like the background music it's a lot of like bells going ting and it's very like it's like listening it's like going to the beach in a sense like you know just listening to the waves and all that it's very calming and it's not like scary because i don't do well with like horror or like psychological stuff even um but there was like there's an anime called welcome to the nhk i don't know if you know that it was, it's about a guy who has um, 
uh, social anxiety and like paranoia and he uh, he's a hikikomori which I don't know if you know it's basically Japanese a Japanese term for someone who's like a social recluse the official definition is someone who hasn't is a hikikomori is someone who hasn't left the house in more than six months to like go to work or go to school and there's a lot of that in Japan um, and so he is a hikikomori and he he thinks he thinks like everything is a conspiracy it's so funny um yeah and what i just i kind of i tried to rewatch it recently but it was it was kind of not that interesting i would say because let's say things happen in his life and in reality it's it's just not realistic to me because in reality nothing much happens um But yeah, when I when I first saw that, I, I couldn't really watch it because it was like looking at a mirror. Like the guy was rehearsing what he was going to say when he was going to go find a job. And then, you know, someone knocked on his door and gave him a pamphlet about hikikomoris. And he's like, oh, this lady must know that I'm a hikikomori. And she must be like, you know, uh, like everyone must know that I'm a hikikomori. And it was really real, you know, and... That anime, even though I am probably never going to finish watching it, it's still, I'm glad that it exists because I'm sure someone else can relate to it. And, you know, anime, it's like with music or any form of media, you know, it can make you happy, it can make you sad, it can make you think of things, you know, and yeah, I guess like a calming, another really uh, chill slice of life anime would be like Polar Bear Cafe, <laughs> which is really cute in my opinion. Um, And yeah, like I, I'm honestly, I'm not, I'm a very casual anime viewer. Like right now I'm just following like Beastars and Demon Slayer and Miss Kobayashi's Maid Dragon. Cause that is like the closest Yuri thing that apparently KyoAni would make. Um, so yeah, cause you, you don't get a lot of like good Yuri animes, unfortunately. Um, so it's sad for, for me basically. Um, But yeah, I forgot. I forgot what was your question. Sorry. No, I mean you pretty much you pretty much answered it with that, and I think uh, I, I do agree with you. It is funny that uh, you mentioned Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid because it's like uh, it's not it's not super Yuri in a lot of in some senses, yeah. right? It, it's it's like it's borderline kind of Yuri, you know. But there's a uh, it's like a one sided Yuri. Kind yeah, of type of thing. I mean, you yeah. know, unless you want to get crushed by this dragon girl, you know, at some point. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, those are really those are really interesting um, interesting points because you know I've definitely. I mean, I think one of the most impactful one I, I did a video about it was uh, this this anime called Orange that like talks about suicide, and they're just like, hey, you know what? We're just gonna freaking throw this heavy subject at you from like the first episode, <laughs> and you're gonna deal with that shit, and you're gonna deal with it every single episode. And I was like, all right, let's see it, let's see nah, it. And, nah, and, I can't, <laughs> I can't do those. Yeah, I can't watch like two depressing anime. Oh yeah, it's it's pretty uh pretty yeah. interesting. I've definitely you know I've shed a lot more tears for anime than I have probably any other medium throughout like the entire the entirety of my life. Like I've never shed so many tears for anything <laughs> else. And I I'm a person that like I think that's part of you know what social anxiety like shows in me is I hate crying in front of people. It's one of my worst fears. And so whenever I have to go to a oh, funeral or something that like that, too, yeah. I'm just like, oh, just just keep it in, just keep it in. And then you know <laughs> at some point there's a breaking point, but then luckily everybody else is crying, so I'm like, all right, now I can I can fit in with the crowd. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's but yeah, I think you you brought up a lot of good points with uh, 
with anime. You know, there's a, kind of like an anime for everybody, and you know, I watch a lot of it mainly because I do a, another YouTube channel about it. So I, I kind of have to stay up on up to snuff with a lot of it. But uh, yeah, mm -hmm. no, I think uh, I think anime is a good good medium for anybody out there. And you know, I'm just uh, I was just uh, curious, you know, in what. Uh, you know, you'd mentioned a couple of songs, but was there ever, like, that one song that really hit you? Like, for me, I, I remember I heard My Way from Frank Sinatra, and that was, like, the song that basically has defined my whole philosophy of life, you know? That's what made me start this podcast. That's what made me start this YouTube channel. That's what made me, <laughs> oh, wow. you know, keep going with this, because it was my favorite song to do at karaoke, because it's, like, the only one I can sing. And <laughs> it was... But it, every time I sang it, I remember one, one time one of my, my co-hosts on my other podcast... He's, he, I just remember he came up to me afterwards and he was like, dude, this is your song. Like, this is you. And I was like, oh, that's wild. Like, I, I don't want to, you know, I do want to do everything my way. But was there ever that, you know, one song for you that really, you know, ended up kind of defining your life or at least having like such a big impact on your life that it made you like move forward in a different, uh, with a different philosophy? Oh, uh, there's never been that one song that's like really pushed me forward. There's just like... I guess I like a lot of songs from Pink for some reason because her songs are I guess because like she's an extrovert she's like so strong and all that but she's also vulnerable sometimes like she has a song called like nobody knows and it's really yeah it's so weird I, I like it when there's especially like a strong female voice singing about like really vulnerable topics kind of like I like Sia as well because sometimes she has songs that are a little bit sad and whatnot. Um, and it really hits home. There, there's just been so many songs that I, I really, I don't have one that has helped define me in a way. Um, it's just, yeah, it, but it's not that every single sad song works for me. Um, like sort of Billie Eilish, she, she sings like sometimes depressing songs, like the song Lovely and whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if I really like her. I like a few of her songs, but that's about it. Um, I, also, I don't know because, um, yeah, who else do I like? I like Pink. I like Sia. I think I like certain like rock songs, like really old Cantonese rock songs. Uh, like Cantonese is a dialect that's spoken in Hong Kong and Southern China. And we used to have a lot of great music. Um, like in the 80s whatsoever and there's a band called beyond and i guess like since i guess i would say maybe these cantonese songs has the most effect on me but since they're cantonese you probably won't know but this band they oh, i don't know like everyone in hong kong knows them so it's so iconic and it's this guy singing about like sometimes he's like singing about like like the Chinese government and how it's like full of shit and just singing about wanting to be free, you know. And again, it's such a powerful voice and yet so vulnerable. It's yeah, I don't know. There's just way too much songs for me that I connect with. Um, but yeah, also it's a mix because I listen to so many different languages. Not that much like Japanese, Korean, uh, Cantonese, and then English. So it's so hard for me to choose, honestly. Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, I listen to Japanese, English, and, well, Spanish, and then um, Samoan sometimes when I'm in the mood for that. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting how, like, even though, you know, I don't speak all of those languages, right, I, 
you know, even when I hear them, I can just hear the emotion portrayed. And it's so interesting how emo mm -hmm. how emotion is like a universal language to a certain extent. I mean, music is a an, an, uh, universal language too, you know. I didn't, I don't yeah. speak Spanish and I'm not Mexican at all. So when I joined that mariachi, I was just like, I don't know what to do, but you got a sheet, <laughs> sheet of music in front of me. Let's do this. So, <laughs> you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's very interesting how that, uh, how that plays out. I mean, have you learned any coping mechanisms throughout your, you know, ever since you've learned about social anxiety on, you know, maybe, you know, being less harsh on yourself, maybe, you know, when you're editing or anything like that, are there certain things that have helped you, you know, get, um, you know, get over some of these aspects or, you know, maybe recover from like a, you know, cause I don't know about you, but I'm, you know, I'm heavily introverted, but it's weird cause I'm an introverted extrovert. Like, I don't know exactly how to explain it. Cause I like actually going yeah. out, like whenever somebody invites me to somewhere, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And then I like have the anxiety and stuff. I go out there, I do it. And then I just, I feel drained. Mm -hmm. I feel like I just used up all my battery and I'm like, all right, nobody talked to me for like a day. I'm going to go, you know, hibernate and just, uh, not, talk to anybody i mean but so yeah what what uh, coping, coping mechanisms have you learned over the years um since learning about social anxiety um let's see i think you know everyone's already heard of these coping mechanisms but i think once you learn how to breathe with your diaphragm it really helps like i learned it through meditating because you know i heard that it would help with my anxiety and i think to some degree it helps because it really it forces you to sort of just slow down and relax and physically try to relax your muscles and i think once and plus i have to learn it for singing anyways you know you have to sing with your diaphragm and all that and once i've had enough practice and like i feel like whenever i am anxious it sort of just kicks in subconsciously it's like hey you're really tense you know, and then my body would be like, remember this relaxation thing you got to do, remember to breathe, and then I'll do it. And then in a way, it sort of gives me a slap to the face when I'm anxious and it'd be like, oh, wow, I was actually anxious, you know, uh, just got to calm down for a sec. And it just brings me back in a way. And I would say another coping mechanism that I learned would be to not think too hard about that social situation that you're going to do. Kind of like with this interview, like I was, um, I think the old me would be like, oh my God, I'm doing an, uh, a podcast with this person. And then, I, you know, I'm freaking out. And it's basically the only thing I can think of, um, you know. <laughs> uh, but now it's like, I still get a little bit nervous. But what I would do is I would sort of plan out my day around it. It's like, okay, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to get breakfast, maybe have a little walk by the beach. And then I'm going to clean up a little bit and then I'll do this interview and then I will you know maybe uh, weed the backyard a bit more and then I'll have lunch and then I'm gonna go to my sister's place to babysit so the whole point is just to not think too much about that situation because the more you think about it the more it's gonna get worse and the more likely you're gonna try to talk yourself out of it and yeah like Honestly, when you first texted me and you asked me if I want to do this interview, I like my first instinct is basically to say no, because that's, yeah, that that's basically what I do, you know. Um, but then for a split second, I was like, well, you know, why, why, why not do it? Like, it's not like I have anything else better to do. And if I was um, like, because in my mind, I was like, you know, what does it change? You know, it doesn't really do anything, you know. Um, but then again, it's like, if it doesn't matter, then why don't why don't you just do it? You know, in a way, you might as well do it. And then at least you'll have something else to regret <laughs> later. You know, 
it's like, yeah, I I've said yes to things. Like I said, I was doing, uh, I was going to TAFE, which is like a vocational school. I did a hospitality course because my dad was like, you want to study something? And I was like, all right. Um, and so that went for like a year and a half. And I never really got to know any of my classmates. But when we all graduated, there was like a group, you know, like everyone, how everyone like splits off into their little groups. Um, we weren't completely isolated from each group, you know, but um, I didn't really know this group of people, group of five, and then they were going to go on to this graduation trip. And they, they just asked me on like the, the graduation dinner night, like, hey, do you want to join us? And I was like, okay. <laughs> and um, like immediately afterwards, I was like, oh, shit, maybe I shouldn't have done that. And um, yeah, like even though I went on this trip with them, I didn't really get to know them and whatsoever, but in a way, I'm glad that I went, you know, it's like, first of all, the drive was nerve wracking. It's like a two hour drive to this place called the Blue Mountains. And I get driving anxiety as well, especially if I don't know the place. And um, yeah, even though I didn't connect with anyone, it was like, it was a change of scenery, if you will. It's like, it's a beautiful place. You know, we went to an Airbnb. It was like a really nice house. And we could see like just the mountains, you wake up and it's like, it's not buildings, it's just mountains and the sky basically. And I took some nice pictures and all that. And I'm glad there was a dog on the trip. Um, yeah, cause uh, if there's a dog on any trip with strangers, I would, I would just play with that all the time. It, the same thing happened when I was in high school camping. I didn't talk to my friends. I just, there's a dog, you know? Um, and I swear to God, I heard someone say, oh, look, Wings playing with the dog. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no. Um, so, oh God, I keep, I, sorry, I keep forgetting, but yeah, what was the question? No, that, that, that's fine. I, think <laughs> I rambled that was, on forever. No, oh, I mean, no. I think that's, uh, I think that, well, I mean, I think that's a good thing, right? Like one of the things, you know, since you're, you're talking about rambling, you know, one thing that I do since I am pretty socially anxious is I, I tend to end up talking, like, if I realize nobody's going to talk, I'll just straight up take over the conversation and be like, uh -huh. all right, if nobody's going to talk, I'll just take over. And that's, I think that's what, why I translated it into podcasting, because I just like to talk so much. So it, I think it's also a way for me to get rid of all the, the thoughts in my head, because, you know, if you don't do anything with these, thought, these thoughts, it just, like, kind of culminates, and you're, like, always thinking about them. And if you have no mm -hmm. way of sell, like expressing them, you know, through music or anything like that, it's really tough. Now I do have, you know, music and all that stuff, but I realized that, I mean, talking was a little bit easier, I suppose, in some ways, because you know I, I reached like kind of a limit to playing <clears throat> guitar, to playing piano, to playing trombone, and all that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. I, I just kind of didn't want to. I, I knew I wasn't going to be a professional at those, and so. I was like, all right, well, what else can I do? I like to talk a lot, and people can't get me to shut up sometimes. And so <laughs> I figured that might be a good uh, a good way. But I really like those coping mechanisms. I really like that one, um, you know, when you're talking about planning your day around your situation. I think it's a really good way to keep your mind off of, th off of the, the situation yeah. itself. Because I've always wondered about that, and I think that's a pretty good way. And, you know, thank you to Luke Roberts, who was a fireman over in Australia, for teaching me some geography in Australia. I knew what the Blue Mountains were where the minute you said it, so I was like, "Oh, thank God! Thank God I had a I had an Australian on here." Uh, but you know, it does. It, it, it's interesting because when you're talking about 
uh, you know, the dog, you know, that's like a universal thing with people that are, you know, socially anxious, yeah. right? It's like they'll the find, the, the yeah, they'll find the thing that won't judge them. They'll judge them the least and they'll be, they'll like gravitate towards that. And it's, it's yeah. very interesting. I, I used to do the same thing when I was, uh, when I was a kid, I just couldn't stop like, you know, I would even talk to the dog sometimes when people weren't around. I'd be like, hey, buddy, how's it going? Yeah, no, I'm just here with the, I'm just here at this place that I want these to be at. Humans, you know? <laughs> yeah, these you humans, know. Oh, you know? God. Oh, my Let me God. tell you all about them. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I think what you're saying is really relatable. I think that's why, you know, I really like, like your videos, too. And, uh, you know, because they are very relatable, whereas, you know, with all of my videos, I try and be as relatable as I can, but also I think that's why I started this podcast was so I have people like you that maybe can relate to some of my other people out there that aren't going to exactly understand the, the struggles of being a, you know, half Samoan, you know, guy who's been to the psych ward and all that kind of stuff. So it's really awesome to have different guests on here. And I think that's, that's really the key to all this. And one of your videos that I did see, you're talking about this, you know, shopping addiction. And it's interesting <laughs> that, you were talking about that because I have like the opposite thing. Like I'm very like, I, especially since I'm not working now, I saved up enough money to like take a year off and just kind of pursue, pursue podcasting and YouTube videos. And mm -hmm. it's interesting that you say all that. Cause I, I have like, I don't really know exactly how that feels. So could you kind of run us through, I mean, a, how that, how it got to that? Like, did you just not notice it at first? And you, you know, all of a sudden these things started, um, uh, you know, piling up and, you know, how did you, how are you working through that? My, I still have a really bad shopping addiction. Uh, I said I was going to do monthly videos like to check up on myself and for people to keep me in check, but I stopped doing those because I, I kept buying stuff, you know, and I, yeah, like throughout the years, I've just been constantly buying stuff because I live at home and so don't, I don't really have to pay for like rent or utilities or whatsoever and um, yeah so like the money that I have I also I didn't know how to manage my money I didn't know how to use it you know and like, like saving it is a part of like you know you can just save it to use it later on for emergencies especially um, but yeah I was never taught how to really use my money and so I just thought okay if I had money I'll spend it you know because how else would you use money you know. And then I think it was probably last year that I started to realize I was having a real big problem because I was watching these YouTube videos about minimalism and decluttering and like Matt Diavella stuff. And yeah, it just, it just like, I never thought I was a hoarder. I never thought I had a shopping addiction until I, I watched these videos and it made me realize like, yeah, I actually have so much stuff that I don't need. Um, and then so I start to get rid of things. Um, I start to sell them on Facebook and surprisingly, I didn't feel socially anxious when I was like selling stuff to people, to strangers on Facebook, even like meeting them like in real life. I wasn't surprisingly was not that anxious for some reason. Um, but yeah, so I honestly, I was starting to sell a lot of my like old camera stuff and I thought I was doing well. I was getting rid of stuff and I thought I could do like a low buy or no buy month even. But then I couldn't and I realized that it's probably because I'm bored. Like, you know, when you're bored, you you tend to look for stuff to do, um, which requires like no uh, no effort, basically. You know, it's so easy to just spend money, spend money, spend money. It's so hard to get rid of stuff, you know. Um, it's like I have some clothes I want to get rid of. I don't know if I'm going to sell them or just toss them into the clothing bin. Like there's a lot of decision fatigue going on. Um, 
And yeah, I, I really, I notice that whenever I'm bored right now, I just want to buy something because it's like, in a way, I want things to change, you know, um, without putting in a lot of effort. So like, I, I thought of different ways of trying to deal with it. Like, it's probably, YouTube is definitely one of the things that makes me want to buy stuff. Like, when I watch a YouTube video, like, someone could be using something. It's like, it's never the things that the YouTubers are selling to me that that I want to buy. It's always like something that they're already using. It's like this camera that I have or this water bottle that I have or, you know, and it just makes me want to buy stuff. Like even cards. I have cards. I want to learn cardistry, but it's so hard because I have like such tiny hands. But then I end up buying like a few decks because it's just so pretty, you know. So yeah, I try to cut out. I try to minimize uh, my YouTube time, um, but sometimes I can't because I'm just so reliant on it. I just want to listen to podcasts even and or, you know, sometimes I'm eating and I just want to watch something and not watch TV because TV is boring, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm trying to cut down on my YouTube consumption. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, they don't really affect me. But sometimes when I'm on Facebook, I do kind of scroll through Marketplace and I'm like, oh, you know, an iPad for like a thousand dollars, even though I have one myself. Uh, that I bought recently. Um, so yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not really doing well with my shopping addiction and I'm kind of really disappointed in myself, but I think like I have this sticky note right here where I say like, don't need it properly, probably. And it kind of helps cause it's sort of like in my face. Like, you know, I'm looking at microphones or, or cameras even, and then I just look to this sticky note and I'm like, yeah, I probably don't need it. It's probably my, my shopping addiction working up. It's my boredom working up. I need to go and clean up the backyard and just distract myself from it, you know? And um, yeah, I haven't been doing too well, but I'm a lot better than I used to be because uh, it's like I, I, had, I had three cameras at one point. And so I'm so glad I sold, I sold one of them. And now I'm just, I just have two, this one and this other one. And then it's like my phone is a camera. I have a GoPro as well. So, you know, it, I just, I just feel like I need the best equipment ever to make things like look pretty. And then I'll get a lot of people watching when it's like, if the content is not interesting, no one's really going to watch you. No matter, like I can have like a $5,000 camera, but it's not going to change anything. I'm still, I still have to say these things to myself because Sometimes I'll get a, a, an idea for a video and then I'm like, oh, I have to buy all these things and then I buy it and then I don't use it. So it's like, congratulations, you saved no money this month. Uh, and it's like, I live at home. I don't even you know, have to pay for anything. Why can't I save money, you know? So yeah, but I think at least I'm aware of it. So that's, that's the first step of, of dealing with any problems. It's like, again, social anxiety. I have to know that it's a problem that could be fixed and then learn how to deal with it. Yeah. But so far that that's how, how my shopping addiction is going. Yeah. Nice. And I, I think, you know, one of the things that I noticed while you're talking is that you, cause I feel like sometimes people don't do this is that you are actually still making, you're still t taking note of these these little milestones that you're you're able to do because sometimes I feel like people have a problem with looking at. I mean, obviously you should have long-term goals at some yeah. point, but it's people get so obsessed with them. Like with me and this YouTube channel, right? I was just like, you know, because I had originally started on another channel called Anime Casuals, and then I was like, well, let me do this mental health, you know, channel and all that stuff. What am I going to call it? Okay, mental health casual. That's original, right? And so I kind of <laughs> went from there, and it's interesting that. 
you know, it's interesting because I was just like, oh, when are we going to hit a thousand subscribers? When are we going to do this? When are we going to do that? And I was like, wait a minute. I don't even know what videos I'm going to put out yet. Like, what am I talking <laughs> about? I haven't even planned this out. I haven't done that yet. So it's, it's interesting to, to, you know, kind of hear you talking about some of this because I think that's something that um, sometimes people with anxiety, especially because they're always thinking about the 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 biggest picture possible right they're just thinking about the world imploding yeah. at some point they're just thinking about all this stuff but they're not thinking about like the little things like i gotta go take care of the yard i gotta go do this and i think i'm wondering if that might have you know since you are you know you were talking about you know taking a walk doing this i'm wondering if that probably did play a big part in you um still being able to manage uh, some of your anxiety symptoms do you think that might have helped you is this this focus on the little things as well because like I said before, it's really it's not that normal in my opinion. Just because you know when I went to the uh, the mental health hospital, everybody was talking about you know the the oh well if I don't do this I'm gonna get um, I'm gonna get evicted. But they were talking about like twelve like a year down the line. They weren't even talking about mm-hmm. like next month or something like that. Do you think that focus on the small things actually has helped you so far? Yeah, definitely. Like um, you know. Obviously, when you first learn about social anxiety and you know that it's something that you can fix, you you obviously you think you think so unrealistically. You're like, oh, I'm gonna once I overcome social anxiety, I'm gonna be this social butterfly. You know, when after a while, after you don't really improve, you're like, I'm not a social butterfly. You know, I just I just can't do small talk with people. You know, and then. Um, you might think that, oh, then I'm probably failing because I'm not improving at this rate and I'm not a social butterfly like by year five, you know, and then you'll feel really disappointed in yourself when in reality, it's just not who you are. You know, you're introverted. There's nothing wrong with that. You're a bit shy. There's nothing wrong with that. You can't do small talk. There's nothing wrong. I mean, I, I, I'll never call myself a barista, but I just make coffee for people. And most baristas are chatty, extroverted people. Not like me. Um, the only good thing I know I can do is um, I can make coffee that doesn't suck. Basically, that's that's all I can do. Um, and um, yeah, so it's you have to be realistic with yourself, and um, you have to make it's 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 really the small changes that make a big difference. Like, and it's not just if you want to tackle social anxiety, it's not just like, oh, go out there and have a chat with someone. Go out there and ask people like, oh, what time is it or whatever. It's you, you can work on other areas of your life because when you have social anxiety, you probably have like low self-esteem or you have other problems that you can work on. And if you like kind of like I'm trying to work out as much as I could and I do feel better overall. And you might think, well, how how would working out help your social anxiety? Well, I'm healthier. I, I look better and overall I feel better, you know, and so it'll yeah, it's like, once you feel better, it's like, it will sort of help your social anxiety. It's not just like isolated, like, oh, you know, oh, you're, you haven't talked to like 10 people this week. Okay, you haven't improved with social anxiety. No, I, I feel a lot better about myself. I can, I can hold a, a note for a longer time. I can, I can, you know, I can exercise longer. It's like I'm improving, but it, it's helped my social anxiety in which, in ways I couldn't, you know, explain. And Honestly, taking a walk, it's nothing. And learning how to breathe correctly, it's nothing. But it it's something, I would say. You, you really don't think much about it until you do it. And you're like by the beach. And you're like, it's not just walking. You know, you're, you're looking at different things. You're looking at people. You're hearing the sound of the waves. And you're feeling the cold air on your face. It's a lot. So 
but it's it's honestly when you think about it it's just a walk you know but when you do it you realize your other senses are being stimulated as well and it makes you think um differently and makes you feel differently and then yeah so that's basically how it helps and um yeah so small things definitely it's definitely the small things that matter and the small things build up to big things you know and so i it's like i used to uh i used to be unable to even go to the grocery store like when i'm just going to the shopping mall i would like look down i'd be walking really quickly to a place and i couldn't go to stores by myself or like cafes and order food by myself and sit there by myself but now i could and i can't i can't tell you how i was able to do that i just i did it because of like the small things it's like i can slowly go to a grocery store i can slowly get myself a bubble tea and now it's like you know oh there's a cafe i want to try it i'm gonna go and do it you know um even if it's just ordering a takeaway coffee you know so yeah it's it's the small changes that that make a big difference nice yeah i think that's uh, that's pretty true and it's it's funny you don't you know, you, you'd mentioned it before, but you don't realize how little you're breathing until you actually do like a breathing exercise or something like that. Like when yeah. you're in those anxious moments and stuff, it's <laughs> wild because, you know, when I, before, when I wasn't really too focused on breathing, I would talk like a freaking, uh, like I was shooting a machine gun. Like it sounded like somebody was shooting a machine gun just because I was trying to fill up the space because I was afraid of that awkward yeah. silence. Right. And so I was always just like, okay, if there's silence here, that means there's not you know, especially when I was first doing YouTube, if, I, if there's silence here, then that means there's not silence. And what am I going to do there? You know, and I, I started to realize that that silence sometimes is necessary to make a point, you know, especially as I've started to interview more people and interviewing, especially like some mystics like Alexander Shia and these people, you start to realize that their, ca their cadence is actually part of their appeal in some senses, mm -hmm. because when they do these long, you know, when they're doing these talks and they just, they, they stop, it's like, I'm, I'm just sitting there like, you know, I'm starting to notice my breathing too, and it's like, whoa, this is this is wild. Just from this person talking, I'm starting to actually, you know, notice my own breathing just from talking about it. And there are a lot of things that we we begin to forget as we, you know, because I mean, if you think about humans, right? We're so evolved, but we forget about the things that got us to this evolved state, right? Whereas, you know, if yeah. I, you know, whereas my my dog right now, you know, she'll. She, she knows what she needs. She knows roughly what she needs and, you know, she'll, she'll get it because she's spoiled, but you know, that's a different story <laughs> for a different video. Um, one of the things that you'd mentioned in one of your, your videos is that you're, um, you know, that you're an aunt. And I was just curious because you had mentioned, you know, this, you know, am I going to be able to, you know, teach my nephew about anything or anything like that? I'm just curious, you know, because I, I thought it that way too. And then I got asked pretty recently about like, a, uh, maybe November, December to do like a big brother program by somebody in my, in my community. And it was interesting because they specifically came to me because of my YouTube channel and because of my mental health stories and stuff. But I'm just curious. I mean, do you, do you think that any of your experience with social anxiety could help you? Uh, so could it help, uh, you know, your nephew or somebody in your family? It's not just me, but my sister, she has anxiety and depression as well. And I, we don't really share like we're we're not really close honestly um but i think since my sister she had to see a therapist before when she was in high school um which she just told me like three years ago apparently uh like when she was in high school my sister's older than me uh she said that when she was in high school she had to go see a therapist because she would take like long bus rides to nowhere basically and that surprised me um but you know if if you are experienced with anxiety and you are aware of it or yourself, then you can definitely identify it in 
other people when you see them,、uh, especially kids. Because I saw a clip of myself, like I was in kindy, and apparently it was my birthday, and then I was like crying in the corner <laughs> as people were like singing "Happy Birthday" to me, and I'm like, I was looking at it, going, "Huh? If someone would have done something about it, then I wouldn't be this way," you know. Uh, like I, if I saw a child doing that, then definitely I would, I would say something. It's like, hey, that kid's crying, you know, when everyone's looking at her, you know, maybe, maybe she needs to、uh, to see someone, you know.、Um, so yeah, definitely, if you're if you're experienced with anxiety and you can you can think back to the times when you were a kid, and it's like, if only someone said this to me, if some if only someone helped me, then、um, you know, then basically I can be that person that I needed. In my life, when I was a kid, for my nephew, you know, but yeah, it's it doesn't hurt to prepare. Like I, I guess I I can't really confidently say that he won't have any issues, because、uh, my sister has had anxiety and depression, and it kind of runs in the family. So I don't know if my nephew's gonna have it. But even if he does, it's like I know that he like he'll have me. He'll have my sister, who is um, who, you know, who who would. Who I don't want to say like our parents don't care, but I guess since my mom has anxiety herself, she and she doesn't really like to deal with it, and she doesn't really talk about it. Then it makes sense that even if she saw it in us, she wouldn't do anything about it. You know, like like she just she didn't know how to care. I would say, but with、uh, my nephew and with my sister's other kids, if she ever has any more, then you know who who may have、um, any sort of mental health issue, then it's definitely easier for us to. Catch it because we've had it before, you know, and we have so much more resources. You know, we can we can Google, you know, anxiety symptoms in kids, and we can actively do stuff about it,、uh, especially since we've had it before. So, yeah. So like, if if he ever develops any sort of anxiety or social anxiety, then I can always tell him like, hey, um, you know, it's okay if you don't want to talk to these people. You know, it's okay if you haven't made any friends. Maybe you're just Maybe you just,、um, you know, not everyone can be friends. You know, you don't, you don't just throw kids into a sandbox and then expect them all to be best friends for life. You know, so yeah, because it's like I never made any friends in high school. Basically, I spent like my first year, like in grade seven, just eating in the library by myself because here in Australia, they don't have canteens. Like they don't have like an area where you go and then you have your lunch and then. Whatsoever, it's it's just all you sit outside. You sit outside on a bench. We sit outside on the staircases. Whatsoever, and I guess I was really uncomfortable with that. And so, like, I had to be in a, in a specific room. And so, I chose a library when everyone was out. And、um, after a year, I think maybe a teacher told some Asian girls like, "Hey, go talk to Wing." And yeah, so. I was, I was, I became their friends. I guess、uh, it's just, it's like, yeah, typical. Like, I, I just went with the Asian group, basically the Asian girls, and yeah, like throughout my life, that's how I made friends with people. I never did. It's just they sat next to me in lunch, and then I guess we're friends, you know. So yeah, but like with my nephew, I just I'm gonna tell him all these things that、uh, no one ever told me growing up. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's it's interesting because when you're talking about your mother, I think that's just kind of what happens when you know you have something. You kind of see it as normal sometimes, and so when you see something happen in somebody else, you're just like, oh, that's normal. We don't, you know,、um, I, that's、yeah. how I see it sometimes too. Because you know, even though 
I was, I mean, it, but it's funny though. I was actually really good at, I mean, I've had this in common with some of my guests where I've, I was really good at hiding a lot of this stuff. Like people called me like a social butterfly when I was in high school and all that stuff. But, you know, they never saw like the, the breakdowns after performances, the, you know, the, 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 you know, just the judging of myself, the, you know, eventually, which eventually led to me not sleeping, which eventually led to me seeing visions and all that kind of stuff and oh, um, hallucinations and all that stuff. So they didn't see that part of it. So they didn't really know and they didn't really know, you know, to, to care for it. And I think that's a really good point that you're talking about. If you have the experience to kind of go with it, you know, it's, it's interesting whenever somebody says like, oh, yeah, I've seen, you know, when I had like a gentleman on here at schizophrenia, I was like, oh, I totally know exactly what you're talking about. You know, he's talking about seeing like an angel come down and all that stuff. I was like, oh. <laughs> Sounds, you know, that sounds, sounds okay. You know, it's, it's interesting though. You'd only, you'd think like with normal people, uh, not to knock them or anything, but they would just think, oh, that's only in the movies. That doesn't really happen. But, you know, it's very Mm -hmm. interesting to actually hear that firsthand experience from somebody. And yeah, I think that that will definitely help, um, you know, in the future. And so, uh, so wing, usually what I ask, you know, my, 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 uh, my guests, you know, I always ask them this, um, if there was a message to my audience, you know, maybe the people out there suffering with social anxiety, um, you know, what would you tell them, you know, either things that have helped you or, uh, you know, just like a core message that you're all about, because obviously, you know, your channel is an amalgamation of a lot of the things that you're interested in. Um, and I realize that, but you know, what, what would you tell an audience member of mine that has social anxiety? Um, you know, and I'll just go, go ahead and give the floor to you. I guess my core message would be to try not to let whatever mental health issue you have hold you down and restrict you from even trying out things, you know, and saying yes to things because, you know, most of the time, um, it's better to do something than to not, you know, at least you can, you have that experience and you can be like, okay, I did this. I went on a trip with my classmates who I was not familiar with and it was all right, but probably next time I wouldn't do it, but at least you had that experience. You know, so just try things and take small steps one at a time and you're, it's going to take a long time for you to overcome any sort of mental health issue. And yeah, kind of focus more on yourself and what you, you really want to do. And um, yeah, just uh, start from there and then work your way up, I guess. That's my message. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think it's it's interesting that you've been able to come to all, a lot of these conclusions because uh, t- it took me a lot of, you know, three therapists to kind of learn a lot of this stuff. So it's really cool to see that you've learned a lot of this stuff through intuition and self-reflection, it seems like, and also your experience with your family and also with your, um, you know, finding out who you are. So, uh, Wing, uh, you know, once again, thank you so much for, for being on here. And, you know, I always love to talk to people about social anxiety. I think it's, mm-hmm. oddly, ironically enough, it's one of my favorite topics to talk about. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, I'm socially anxious. Yeah. I love to talk about social anxiety. It's a weird yeah. thing that I, I have with me. So, uh, yeah, once again, thank you so much for being on. Well, thank you so much for having me, Lucky. It's great to be able to talk about social anxiety with someone else who has it. And because, you know, it's not like you can really talk about it in real life face to face because most people Mm. just like to keep the conversation you know like chill and also you don't really want to burden people with anything heavy don't kill my buzz bro don't kill my buzz yeah i I don't want to hear about your anxiety all right no i just i just want to come to work and like don't tell me about your depression all right no mm -mm. (laughs) save that for your therapist all right yeah oh yeah it feels like that sometimes but uh yeah so thank you so much for uh having me here lucky it was great talking to you 
Hey guys, thanks for watching Mental Health Casual. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe for more videos.